right, guys. So today I want to address a mistake that I see made online all the time by people, especially on the right, when it comes to how political narratives are constructed, how language is used, how the frame of political discussions is controlled. And the technique that I want to talk about today is called anchoring. Now, many of you might already be familiar with one kind of anchoring, especially if you're in the field of business. If you're somebody who gets deals done, if you're somebody who negotiates for a living, works in sales or finance or some of these areas, you might already be familiar with this. In fact, Donald Trump actually talks about an aspect of this in his book, The Art of the Deal. He calls it the big ask. Okay, it's called anchoring. And what anchoring does is it places an idea in someone's mind of a barrier, a boundary, kind of the things that will fit inside the discussion. So, for instance, if you're in a business context, uh, Donald Trump says you should ask for something big, the big ask, right? You should go for a big number, a number that is larger or you know whatever, whatever the context of the deal is, whatever you're asking for, you should go beyond what you actually expect to get, right? And the reason you do that is that by anchoring what the ask is, by setting the far field of kind of where this negotiation will take place, you're controlling all of the space inside which the negotiation will happen. Because even if the number you've asked for is ridiculous, the person who has now heard that number has that number anchored in their mind. And so every discussion that happens going forward will have that price or that ask that will already be set in their mind as kind of the furthest boundary. And it will pull them towards that number, even though they might ultimately not end up anywhere near that number. It will pull them closer to that number, closer to that ask, whatever it was, than they would have been before. And what that does is that allows you to control the negotiation because negotiations are generally moving towards some type of consensus. You're moving towards a middle ground. And so the further out your ask is, the further out your middle ground will be. And so if you ask for some kind of ridiculous number, even if you don't get it, by setting it out there, you'll probably get a higher number that you settle on than you would have gotten if you had given a more realistic ask. Everyone wants to meet in the middle. They want to resolve this conflict somewhere in the middle. And so if you put your number way out there, then the middle ground that you get to will be much further out than it would have been otherwise. This is also true when it comes to political narratives, and the left often understands this. So let's look at something like reparations. Now, the left is pretty sure that it's never actually going to get something insane like $5 million per African-American for reparations. They know that's not a real thing that's going to happen. Not only is that not a real thing that's going to happen, it's not even something that I think the left would want to happen because if they actually gave every African-American in the United States that kind of money, then African-Americans probably wouldn't be as beholden to the Democratic Party as they are now. They're much more valuable as a solid voting bloc because they are dependent on the Democratic Party. If you handed out a bunch of money and made them all independent of the party, you would actually be hurting yourself. You wouldn't help yourself. But that doesn't matter because the Democrats never expect to actually get what they ask for. They set the anchor out really far away so that when the discussion starts, you're already thrown off center. You're already thinking of this big number. You're already thinking of this crazy ask. And so when it comes time to start talking, then when they start putting in what they really want, which is a bunch of money into 
university departments that study black history or a bunch of money into community centers that will be staffed with nothing but democratic apparatchiks or creating a bunch of government loan programs that will be operated at every step by democratic donors and people who benefit from the democratic party that seems less radical because they've already anchored the discussion way out at the edge and so you're already listening for that compromise things that you already would have seen as ridiculous you no longer see as ridiculous because they're less ridiculous than the ask now this works kind of obviously when it comes to some democratic issues but we can also see that anchoring works when it comes to how people interact with say political candidates so donald trump right this guy you might like him you might hate him but the truth is donald trump is a blue dog democrat Donald Trump has most of his positions set about the same as somebody who would have been a Democrat in the 80s or 90s. He's more or less socially liberal. He now supports actually things that are probably left of even many Democrats from the 80s when it comes to things like gay marriage. But he also wants protectionism when it comes to American workers. He wants stronger border security. He, again, he's not a radical, he's not a crazy right-winger, but guess what the left does? What do they do at every opportunity? They declare Donald Trump a fascist. They declare Donald Trump a crazy authoritarian. They make it seem like Donald Trump is as crazy and radical and insane as of a right-winger as has ever existed in you know, any time in humanity. But of course, that's not true. Donald Trump is at most a moderate Democrat who has changed, I think, maybe one position, the pro-life position at all, really, from when he voted Democrat and donated heavily to Democrats earlier on in his life. He's not really someone who had this come-to-Jesus meeting, this kind of Paul on the road to Damascus moment where he changed all of his positions. More or less, again, he's holding pretty moderate positions from just a few decades ago. But because we've become so radically progressive in the United States, those really moderate positions are now painted as extreme. And by painting Donald Trump as extreme at every opportunity, the left gets to paint him as the farthest right edge of politics. And when Donald Trump is the farthest right edge of politics, because he's just literally Hitler, right? He's just crazy, insane. As long as that's your definition of far right, then you can never actually contemplate anything that's really right wing because Donald Trump isn't right wing. He's and, and again, this is not a knock on Donald Trump, to be really clear. I'm not attacking Donald Trump right now. Sadly, at best, he might be as right wing as things get in the United States. And, you know, he's done a lot of important things when it comes to opening up conversations on issues that the Republican Party wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole. So, again, I'm not attacking Donald Trump. By saying this, I want to be really clear. I'm just pointing out that there is a specific reason to paint Donald Trump as this crazy right wing person because it anchors the discussion. And as long as Donald Trump is as far right as you can go, then no one introduces anything further to the right, which is just anything that would be right wing at all, because anything past Donald Trump has to be just way beyond the pale because Donald Trump is already the crazy right-wing fringe. And so by establishing Donald Trump as the anchor here, by painting him as the craziest right-wing edge, you actually preclude any discussion over actual right-wing positions. And when it comes time to then find the moderate, the consensus, 
that middle ground, you've already made sure that whatever it is will be wildly to the left because you took a blue dog Democrat, a moderate Democrat from a couple decades ago, and turned him into the craziest right wing option available. So by definition, anything that the consensus eventually settles into will be much further to the left. And this is, of course, a beautiful way to control the political conversation. So obviously, you want to take control of the frame, you want to take control of the debate, but you also want to take control of your health, which is why today I need to discuss a pressing issue with you, which is the FDA's attempt to control a powerful health supplement called NMN. This controversy surrounding NMN highlights how certain forces seek to manipulate the market and limit consumer access to beneficial products. And with the sale of NMN possibly coming to an abrupt halt at any time, it's crucial to act quickly. The reality is that centralized control over health products can lead to a lack of choice and innovation for consumers. The FDA's action to potentially reclassify NMN as a drug instead of a supplement only serves the interests of big pharmaceutical companies while leaving consumers out in the cold. The FDA is attempting to change the status of NMN supplements to be classified as a drug, which would allow pharmaceutical companies to control it. The move isn't based on the efficacy or safety of NMN, but is aimed at cornering the market and taking the supplement away from you, the consumer. And with the sale of NMN potentially stopping at any moment, now is the time to secure your supply. NMN, or nicotinamide mononucleotide, is a precursor to NAD+ which has been shown to provide numerous health benefits such as improving energy, weight management, endurance, strength, and even anti-aging. By potentially reclassifying NMN as a drug, the FDA is restricting access to a supplement that could significantly improve people's lives. Despite the controversy, you still have an opportunity to take advantage of Black Forest's NMN supplement. I just got this in, guys, and I'm looking forward to the boost in energy levels, mental clarity, and overall well-being. Everybody says once you start taking the supplement, you'll wonder how you ever manage without it. With the sale of NMN potentially coming to an end due to the FDA's actions, now is the time to act. Black Forest NMN is available for purchase, and you can even get a 10% discount using the code ORIN at blackforestsupplements.com slash ORIN. So stand up for your right to access beneficial health products and fight back against those who seek to limit your choices. Make sure to check out the link in the description below and use that promo code I just mentioned to get your discount. Now let's get back to anchoring and how it helps control political narratives. This is how narratives are crafted. So for instance, let's look at something that didn't even exist 10 years ago, really didn't even exist five years ago. That's the trans kids debate. This did not exist at all 10 years ago. We started getting a little bit of rumbling about uh, people cross-dressing into women's bathrooms. I don't know if you guys remember kind of the target bathroom thing, but there was no idea. The idea that you would turn, you know, these crazy quote-unquote doctors, they're just butchers, loose on children is insane, right? That would not have even been something that could have entered the discussion. Had you suggested it, you would have probably been called a transphobe or something for saying something so ridiculous. And of course, the left denied over and over and over again that this was happening. It wasn't happening at all. We don't know what you're talking about. This is a radical conspiracy theory, radical right-wing conspiracy theory. And just a few years later, here we are. Not only was it all true, and it was true the whole time, obviously, we always knew it was happening. But on top of it being true, it's absolutely essential. And any attempt to ban it is a 
uh, an attack on trans people and their right to exist. So if you don't let people mutilate children, you are a transphobe, of course, but more importantly, you're, you're threatening the right of trans people to exist. You're threatening trans genocide, right? That's the term they're using now. Now, why do they do that? Well, again, anchoring, right? This, again, this the, the moderate position just a few years ago was that basically this stuff didn't exist at all and could never possibly exist, right? That was the moderate position was, look, these people are adults, they're making choices, we're trying to do the best to help them live their, their truth or whatever. But of course, we would never turn this loose on children. We would never do that. That's insane. Now, they've anchored their position in the idea that not only does this exist for children, but it has to exist for children. And not only does it have to exist for children, but anyone who denies that this has to exist for children is literally pushing for some kind of genocide, right? That is the position that's now out there. Now, again, that seems crazy, right? That seems radical. That seems insane. But it's already working. You're already seeing these kind of bulwark-style conservatives, these middle-of-the-road uh, Mitt Romney, whatever-esque conservatives. I'm not saying Mitt Romney himself holds a position. I'm just giving you the understanding. Uh, David French, I think at this point, does. So it'd be fair to put David French, I guess, out as the example. My point being, we're already seeing these squishy conservatives, these establishment conservatives, trying to create some kind of middle ground between the radical position of, of course, we can give puberty blockers to six-year-olds and push gender ideology on five-year-olds and mutilate 12-year-olds and the position that uh, this shouldn't exist at all. They're already trying to find some kind of middle ground. And this is how a dialectic works. People want resolution. They want the middle. And so if you want something, you should ask way beyond it so that when the resolution comes, it lands in the position you want to be in. And this is the problem that a lot of conservatives and kind of fed up liberals, the, the, the rational centrists, a classically liberal crowd. This is something they don't get. They say, I want just to be honest. I just want to have straightforward discussions. I just want to have a reasonable discussion with people and go into the marketplace of ideas and figure this out. And the best idea will win and all of this stuff. And so the key thing is to be calm and moderate and reasonable. And no, actually, that's not how this works. That's actually not how you win this. You want to anchor your position well beyond what's actually going to happen. Because in any of these discussions, in any of these dialectics, especially when we're talking about this kind of political situation, when you're having this discussion, people will want to meet in the middle. They will want to meet in the middle. And so if your opponent is always kind of this irrational person making crazy far-reaching demands, anchoring their position well beyond what any reasonable people would do, and you're always presenting exactly your position, exactly what you think is reasonable, exactly what you think is respectable, then guess who's going to win every one of these discussions? It's going to be the crazy person. It's going to be the irrational person. It's going to be the person who is pushing the boundaries because they are using the anchoring technique to put you so far away from what you actually want and so much closer to their radical position that you'll line up with what they really wanted in the first place by just meeting them somewhere in the middle. And when you have an entire idea that your political system is built on compromise, 
when the entire idea of your political system is that you're supposed to meet somewhere in the middle, that you're supposed to work with one side and the other, and each person gets something that they want, and then you arrive at the center, anchoring is the perfect technique because it makes sure that you're always in control of the frame, that you're always in control of how political narratives are presented. And this is why it's so important for every Republican candidate who comes up, be it Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, or I remember when they were calling Mitt Romney and John McCain the devil. They might've been right about John McCain, but you understand what I'm saying here, right? The reason the left always calls these people radical, always calls these people crazy, always couches everything they do as the most insane position because they want that milk toast Mitt Romney whatever middle ground to be the far right edge of discussion that's why they make sure that the idea that you could i don't know close a border and stop all illegal immigration and all legal immigration at this point i mean let's be serious look at what's happening in our country we need at the very minimum a time where we have a solid group of people an unchanging group of people that can hopefully maybe if we're very lucky reform into kind of one culture that can generate one unified body with one understanding i don't think that's going to happen i think at this point our moral visions are too diverse. They're too divergent. There's no way to meet in the middle anymore. But if we're going to have any solution, we need to have some kind of stability of our polis inside our country if we're going to be able to figure that out. But of course, we're not even allowed to discuss that. The right is barely able to have any kind of discussion about actual border control. The, the weakest T in the world is maybe we'll get a wall. That was already too radical, right? We can spend uh, over $100 billion in Ukraine, but we can't spend a few billion dollars to protect our own border. The idea that we would use our own military to protect our own border is radical, but the idea we would ship our military over to Ukraine to fight a uh, nuclear-armed enemy, that's fine. That's not crazy. You see how these discussions are controlled. By placing the anchor so far away from the actual point you want to arrive at, you control the frame, you control the discussion, you control what's acceptable inside that Overton window. The left is very good at this. They understand this. The right is not. Anytime someone like Donald Trump gets out there and makes a radical demand, a crazy demand, a man that's really far out, rather than understanding what's happening there, that Donald Trump is setting an anchor and that everything now gets negotiated back from that, people on the right go to police him and say, how could your rhetoric be that crazy? How could your rhetoric be that out of control? Again, maybe you like Donald Trump, maybe you not. That's That's not the point here. My point is, this is a basic technique of negotiation. This is a basic technique of narrative control, of framing. And if you want to participate in the game, if you want to participate in this democracy, that's what you've got to do. Maybe you don't like a democracy. I don't like democracy. But the point is, if you're going to participate, if you're coming to play the game at all, they need to understand how it's played. You need to understand the techniques that are being used. And if you want to win, you need to set your anchor way further than you're doing right now. And if someone does set the anchor, if someone like Ron DeSantis says, no, we're done with Disney, or someone like Donald Trump says, no, we're getting the border wall. You don't step in and do the national review thing where you wring your hands and him and haw about how radical the guy is. You understand that what the person is doing is setting an anchor. And even if you don't ex get exactly what you want, 
by setting the anchor, you're far more likely to get a resolution in your debate, in your discussion, in your negotiations that is much closer to what you really wanted in the first place. The left gets this. The left does this all the time. They set the crazy radical anchor. The right chases after it. They get some kind of compromise that isn't the crazy radical thing, and they think they've won, but they haven't. They've simply been out negotiated. They've simply lost control of the political narrative. They lost control of the frame. They lost control of the definitions. They lost control of the edges of what could be accepted in the political discussion. And that is why the right loses. If you're going to play the game, play to win. And if you're going to win, you have to understand the power of anchoring.